Hi, everyone, and welcome to Empowered Expression Podcast. I am your host, Susie Dent, and today I have a very interesting guest and a very interesting subject. Today, we're going to talk about sex and primarily sexual choking. Welcome, Jack Dent, to my podcast. Hi, Jack. He's a philosophy student. Hello. Uh, he is 21, and I thought, who better to talk to? about the prevalence of this with young people than a young person. Uh, I, um, Before I uh, pass it over to Jack and speak to Jack, um, I'm just going to read you something that I found out. I was having a really interesting conversation and I discovered that sexual choking is um, quite prevalent among amongst young people today because they have such a huge access to pornography. And young men watching pornography, which is, as we all know, it depicts sexual violence and violence towards women, seem to think that strangulation, or it's called choking colloquially, um, is okay. And many young women are having their first time with a partner involved choking. And um, I remember decades ago when Michael Hutchins, the singer of In Excess, was found dead due to sexual asphyxiation which is choking during masturbation, which obviously heightened his pleasure enough uh, to kill him. And the act of choking when you actually choke someone is um, it cuts off the blood supply to the brain, makes you feel lightheaded. And in some people, a small amount of people, it actually heightens sexual pleasure. Uh, And I was having a big conversation with Jack the other day and he's got some really interesting insights into what is um, happening with young people. But just so we set the scene, choking is strangulation. It's a medical term for strangulation. It is not a safe thing to do. Um, So, Jack, um, we were talking the other day and um, I've invited you on the show because um, you have mentioned to me that this is a thing happening uh, within your... um, your demographic and within your peers, within people in their 20s. And I'd love to hear about your views on this and the sort of um, access you guys have to pornography. So uh, you were telling me um, you have friends, because I know you have many and varied friends, that you actually have female friends who are in their 20s who have actually experienced this and spoken to you about it. Uh, Yes, that has uh, happened. And I feel there's quite a lot of prevalence in in the world now with technology and you were mentioning access pretty much everyone in the westernized more modern world has a smartphone and it will take you less than a minute to have access to pornography and towards anything you can search up Um, you know you can always search up very lovely things but people can always search up uh, degrading demeaning things um, acts of violence and sexual violence um, and I feel that due to, due to this being generally more available and the prevalence of social media, you then have more people accessing it, more people talking about it. And then you get the rise of people like Andrew Tate and this more very, very pro-masculine movement. Um, not really, I'd say more toxic masculinity, uh, very toxic masculinity movement, um, that seems to be happening amongst a lot of young men on the internet, which usually involves being this real macho man, show no emotion, um, and it always involves the man being one and the woman being number two, um, which is how it's been for far too long. And they seem to be trying to 
reignite this in uh, modern society um, as teaching people that it's okay for a man to be a man, so to speak, and then the woman is subordinate to him. He makes the decisions, he makes the money, those kinds of things. So I feel with all of that happening and being so readily available to perceive by people that you are getting more instances of whether it be emotional or physical abuse in um, relationships with people, which can lead to physical harm. And when you mention choking, um, that comes down to it as well. Um, though I wanted to, I wanted to point out there is something I think that is important for transparency is that there is a difference when it comes to like choking or different things in sex. There is a difference between something that is agreed upon, is consensual, that both parties agree, yes, we're okay with this, we enjoy it, we like it, and no one's forced to do anything. There's a difference between that and thinking either thinking something is okay and going through with it, um, or openly trying to cause harm for your own pleasure against someone else's pain without their consent. And that's when it turns from normal sex, pleasure, pain, to more of a violent act against another person. Um, I believe that is more or less stemmed from what we discussed the other day as well. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for that, Jack. I um, No worries. It's um, It also seems that, um, like, strangulation, like with, when a man, you know, put his hand um, gently on a woman's neck, mm-hmm. it can be like a form of dominance, which can be a turn on and can be really erotic. Most definitely. Cutting off their windpipe. Yeah. No, it, it also... Uh, that's why I feel it's very multifaceted um, because there is a difference between a light hold and, you know, you can still breathe, but you've got a little bit of pressure there and that can be a turn on for some. There's a difference between that and you add a bit more pressure and now someone can't breathe and now they fear for their life. Absolutely. And no one wants to experience that during sex. It's a very intimate thing to do with one another. No one wants to experience that. And I think that is unfortunately more common nowadays. I think also it feels to me that um, young women, because let's face it, when you're younger you are inexperienced with sex and and young men seem to be getting their sex education from pornography and from what you were talking about. We'll go back to talking about toxic masculinity. Uh, And young women seem to be on their first sexual encounter, experiencing this and uh, without consent and letting the young men doing it, thinking that it's actually turning them on, you know, when in mm. actual fact it's supposed to be turning her on. And medically, you know, there's there's no safe way to actually strangle or, or choke someone because you actually can cut off the blood supply to their brain and you can mm. kill them. Uh, so the lessons that our young men are learning uh, through watching pornography are not good ones. Um, for me, when yeah. I first heard about of uh, this in younger society today, I was quite horrified because I, as yeah. you mentioned, I felt that women were being degraded uh, and that women, um, I thought that things were getting better for young women today. And to me, I'm just like, no, 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 that's not empowerment. That's complete disempowerment because yeah. the young women don't know and the young men don't know. So it's all about 
having this conversation, which is why I'm really glad we're having the conversation today. Absolutely. The older generation can sit back and go, what? What's happening to my daughter or my son in their 20s? And are they experiencing this sort of thing? Now, you mentioned Andrew Tate. He's been Mm. in the news for a moment. uh, And he's someone um, that's been, well, actually, you tell us about Andrew Tate. I mean, with Andrew Tate. And and the way he portrays himself and portrays women and the way he's been portrayed in the press because we're in jail at the moment in another country. For, well, um, he's under um, he's under house arrest at the yeah. moment. They release him from the jail, and both him and his brother are under house arrest. Um, I feel with Andrew Tate, it is I feel everything is always quite complex. It's never just one thing, because the thing about Andrew Tate that I think is probably most important is the amount of people, the amount of young men that are very drawn to him um, because you know he. He speaks well, and there are even some things where you go, yeah, that makes sense. There are some, not in terms of any of the degrading things he said about men or women, but when he taught some of the things he said about life and achieving your goals, some people can go, yeah, I, I agree with that. But then what I feel turns people to the other side of things, to a less empowerment for women and for men as well, is when you get pulled in by one thread and then you start hearing other things and you go, oh, I like that one thing you said. Now you're talking about how your your woman is your woman and you, know, you have to protect her, but she must be subservient to you and things like that. Um, and I feel the reason it's getting so much airtime nowadays Uh, is because of how extreme it is. If someone had shown me this a few years ago and said, this is um, a mockumentary by Sasha Baron Cohen, I would have laughed. I would have found it incredibly hilarious. Because, like, of course, there would be no one who is this grandiose of a character. Um, The problem is, is it is real and it is happening. And because of his prevalence on social media, you are getting a lot of young men drawn into this the fantasy twisted into this way of seeing the world and the way of seeing other people uh, that is not good for um, the development of society that is not beneficial uh, to young men or young women um, especially young women who are being harmed physically and I feel both young men and young women being harmed psychologically by it um, like I was even, I believe I mentioned to you when we spoke earlier that I let I think it's two or three people I know, um, all women, their younger brothers over the past few years through the pandemic till now have all of a sudden become very vocal Andrew Tate supporters. Uh, now I've never uh, actually met them. Um, all of what I've heard of from them has been from the sisters who I'm friends with. Um, and I just keep finding it quite surprising. I heard about it from one person. I was like, oh, that's a bit strange. And then I keep hearing about it from a few other people. I'm like, oh, this is a problem. The ideas are spreading. and They're spreading too quickly. Um, I was even talking with uh, one of them who said that their um, brother will um, demand 
to be to have food cooked for him and refuses to learn how to cook basic meals um just like a basic breakfast um and they will openly come out and say i want like yell and get very aggressive and say i want this and i need all of i need this giant plate of meat i need all of these eggs cooked for me right now um and will demand that of his mother and his sister um and that's just one case uh but that's i feel quite alarming because that's not the right way to treat a human being and that's especially not the right way to treat a woman or someone who's a part of your family a mother or a sister um screaming at you to cook for them because they think that that's the right thing to do because they're a the man and they shouldn't have to have someone they shouldn't have to cook for themselves because they're a man and they have better things to do um why do so you th- i do feel why um, do you think that yeah. um, that young men are behave apart from having these role models like andrew tate why do you think yeah. they're drawn to this form of masculinity when really in society I thought we'd really start stamping it out? To me, it sounds like they're being threatened by women. Um, why no. do you think that might be in modern society that all of a sudden we seem to be going backwards to the 50s where um, yeah. men are being taught, you know, women should be barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen and, and subservient to men? Why Why is that a good role model for men to have? Why do men want that? I mean, it's not. <laughs> I, I don't think that's a good role model for men to have, though I do think men should have a role model. Um, I've had many role models in my life and I feel... As a young man growing up, me personally and just in general, um, you want to seek out role models. You want to seek out people that you can talk to, people that can show you different sides of life. Um, And there are some people that, what is it? There are some role models that can have a large influence over you. And sometimes they may put onto you negative behaviors. And I feel it's your job as an individual in the 21st century to understand, okay, um, this is a mentor. This is what they're teaching me. I'm going to take what I want to take from it and then move on with my life. I don't want to take the negative from it. Um, so I feel getting back to our, the main issue that the young people of today especially the young men are searching for these role models they're searching for these people and you know they look to the news and what are your options um for young men you know you've got um, the steve jobs type you've got like an elon musk figure um who's rich in business and is developing all these technologies but then also has 12 children uh, to multiple different women. Um, and then you also have someone like Andrew Tate, who is, um, you know, a pro boxer. He lifts weights all the time. You go, oh, yeah, he's big and strong. I want to be big and strong. And then maybe you hear a few things he says on life and that draws you in a bit. And then you keep listening and there's more of this more toxic side of masculinity where the man pays for everything um not that it's wrong to you know pay for everything it's nice to go pay for a whole date it's fun but when it's 
a refusal for the your female spouse to have a job or make money um and you have multiple sexual partners because you're a man and that's what you're meant to do and that's okay and that your wife's only role is to be a wife and sit there or stand there and you don't talk to the other men because i'm a man and we have men things to do we have our fast cars to drive um i feel that's where that's where it can go wrong but the, the thing that i feel young people and young men need is a positive role model now unfortunately because of the way the media works they don't want to hear about ah oh, Keanu Reeves, he gave seven uh, motorbikes to the cast of The Matrix. And what is it? Uh, I believe there was a story where, I think it was The Matrix as well, but it might have been another film where he was working on. He overheard one of the kitchen staff saying that they were going to try and sell, I think it was their car or their kidneys or some, or their house even, some very large, very important object um, so they could put their kid through school. Uh, and then he didn't even say anything. He just dropped a check for, I think it was like $50,000 just in their bag. No, just, just no questions asked. Just like, there you go. Because someone like Kim, just as an example, a very selfless man. Um, and I know on, I think it was the third Matrix movie, he told the studio to split his paycheck up. I think it was, he was getting a lot of money by that stage. I uh, told them to split my check, paycheck up against everyone making minimum wage uh, on the set. He's like, I don't need much. This is how much my rent is. This is how much I need for food. That's it. Give the rest to everybody else. So they're the ones working on the movie and they're the ones who need it. And so I feel someone like that is a very positive role model to look up to. Very selfless, very humble. But you don't often unless you look for it or are a fan of a certain actor, you don't often see that projected on big screen media. You don't see that front page of your um, social media feed. The things that you see front page of your social media feed is, oh, look at this outrageous thing that has happened. Like, look at this outrageous person treating someone in a bad way. Um, there seems to be a lot of that because that is how social media works. Because when you have something outrageous... People click on it and it gets clicks, it gets advertising money, and it's just the nature of the business, unfortunately. But when people and young people are, especially when you're a young person developing the world and you're developing in this world where every day or every few hours you can take out a device and just show your outrageous content and um, very extreme points of view then that's what you're putting in your mind. What you ex are exposed to is what you experience to a certain extent. And so when you're being exposed to all of this, you are then more drawn to that type of thing, which is why you see a lot of people going towards these more, um, more extreme political leaders and more extreme um, you know, mentors. Because they're not really given anyone else to look at that's you've explained that so beautifully uh, thank you jack really really beautifully it gives us some um, all pause for thought um as to you know i was actually asked a few months ago by a man um who was talking to students who i thought were good male role models and i my number one oh. was actually keanu uh yeah. there seems to be like you said a prevalence um 
of bad role yeah. models. Um, you know, and they're seen, and there's a lot of role models for women. Uh, and and role models to end men also, do you feel that men can also have, um, they also need good female role models as well? Oh, and most definitely. Aging and if young men don't have um, good, strong female model, models, role models to um, to look up to, they won't get the whole yin and yang as the, and, the, and the balance exactly. as they're growing up. You know, that's... That is uh, very true. Yeah, that seems to be really important as well. But again, you know, what sort of female role models would uh, would a young man have apart from like obviously the beginning would be his mother uh, and well, his father. You know, the first role models any of us have are our parents. So we're set up from a young age uh, of uh, basing our lives on our parents and how they behave towards each other and towards the world. And like you said, social media now, because there was no social media when I was growing up, um, is huge. So the only role models we had were, well, again, actors and actresses that you, you know, or anything you actually saw in the press or in magazines or yeah. again, on the news. And now your generation has so many places you can look at. It seems it's very sad that um, uh, someone like Andrew Tate can have such a huge effect that it's and the press always focuses on the negative and the and the outrageous. Uh, you know, I mean, wouldn't it be nice if um, outrageous could be giving you know most of your million dollar paycheck to you know? I mean, really, that's pretty outrageous. Exactly. But outrageous in an, in such a, an incredibly humble and positive yeah. manner. We don't hear enough about good male role models um, for young men to to model themselves on. Do you have any yeah. uh, got a solution, Jack? <laughs> I honestly yeah. don't. Um, no, I, I mean, well, I, I can see, you know, in in um, a few years' time, you're going to be an exceptionally good role model for young men well, of your age and for your own peers and for younger men. Um, and I've known you for a few years now, and I know you actually have been in your life an exceptional role model for um, younger men and a great um, mm. uh, a great influence on younger men, which is great. I think maybe it kind of it comes from inside you, doesn't it? And uh, the all mm. the external things that we learn and that you see, um, as you mentioned earlier, it's up to us to sort out the the good and the bad and figure out exactly who we are when, as exactly. we're forward. Um, there, uh, Andrew Tate. I didn't. I haven't followed a great deal because I just tend to turn somebody like that off. Uh, yes, but, you know, it's very sad that uh, that sort of thing is happening in society today. It's um, it is. You know what? What is our solution? I I wouldn't say there's a solution, but there's definitely ideas and conversations we can have to maybe make things a little bit better. Um, especially I feel when it comes to, you know, it is, you know, it's multifaceted because we discovered, we started with talking about violence against women in pornography and how that is creating violence against women just in life, in the modern day. I feel we have multiple levels, like levels of a building. So we have that, then we have certain types of influences, whether they be politicians or actual influences and just people who have a who are speaking about things that are then causing men to go towards pornography and causing people to 
have more violence against women. We have that, and then it's, I feel a lot of the issue is in the amplification as well, because like you were saying before, when you were growing up, news was slower. Maybe you, the newspaper probably had a lot more local news in it than I probably our local newspaper, but especially um, our local newspaper of the internet and of every social media site. Um, I feel in the past you would have opened up a newspaper and maybe there was a few world issues, but there were the really, really big ones. Like, this is so important, you need to know about it. And then everything else was local. Now, everything's global news. Uh, people I talk to don't talk, unless it's directly in front of you, won't talk about something that's local. It's, you know, did you see the trailer for that new movie that is coming out eight months from now that's done by the same studio that did the last four movies? Um Everything happens so fast. Well, now um, we can so that a lot. We can we can watch wars happening in real time in another country. We can from our bedrooms. We can sit there and watch a war happening in another country, which is just mind blowing. I actually, I actually had a. Um, I followed it as much as I could, but I had work. There was a case. I'm going to say maybe a month ago, where there was a uh, private military. Or this is with Russia and Ukraine. There was a private military that uh, was employed by Russia that had been suspected to go rogue and try and take over the uh, Russian capital. And I saw it play out live on social media. Um, I was on Twitter at the time, and it was just one little tweet like, oh, something's happening in Russia. And then the, I went to work, come back, there is whole, like, large scale documents detailing everything that has happened there are 12 hour long live discussions with journalists with media personnel with ceos of companies with people in both countries with the leaders and the people who have power and two days like over like not even overnight it's the second it happened and the second someone else knew about it and posted it, everyone else knew about it. And then they were talking about it and theorizing about it. And then by the end of the week, it was done. You even see that with the um, uh, the submarine, the recent submarine disaster that happened with the Titanic submarine, where I don't know if, if you know about that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and same thing with that. I woke up in the morning and first it was like, it was when it was just starting. It was, oh, uh, this submarine's gone missing. That's all it was. And then as I will go throughout the day, I didn't I didn't even have time to catch up on what everything else has happened because as it was happening, people were talking about it hour by hour. It it was constant. And so instead of in the past where you would see a news headline which is here is the full story. Here you go. We still get that. Now you get to see here is the story as it's happening every single second. If something changes from one second and we know about it, you will know too. That uh, submarine, and it, it's I don't watch the very news. fast. Was the submarine found? Did they find it? And it was a submarine, wasn't it, that was going on an exploratory mission to it was. look at the Titanic or get stuff yes. off something? I'm pretty sure they were just looking at the Titanic. 
um, from what I've known now about it, the main issue with that was the submarine wasn't properly, I think, checked over for safety um, with the company. But I'm in charge. Oh, my apologies. I would encourage people to look into it themselves because I only know the basics. But the main story of it was there were a few, I'm pretty sure a few CEOs, a few billionaires starting this tourism submarine company to go and investigate the Titanic wreck. And the very first one they sent, I'm pretty sure it didn't pass safety checks or wasn't properly built. Um, and they ended up within a few hours not being able to get back to the surface and then the submarine imploded. Um, but that's the main story. Um, but the story that I know is all social media and in a few hours... It went from being a dramatic news story to being um, people joking about it very quickly. Um, was something that I noticed because I thought, oh, is this still going on? And even as people thought, as before people knew that the submarine imploded and they thought that they would still be alive and might be able to get back to the surface, people were starting to make jokes about it. And a lot of them... Um, funny like videos or a captured image um just making fun of the submarine people had even uh, got the game red theft auto uh where you, there is a submarine in the game and somehow they got into the computer code of the game and modified the submarine that's in the game to look like the submarine that imploded wow um, and this was i saw this before they the submarine had before they had the news released that the submarine had actually imploded, someone had already died. With, oh yeah, I think like four or five people died. Like someone the the head of the company's son now owns the company because his dad died in the submarine, uh, and they, they can't recover their bodies because it's at the bottom of the ocean. Um, I think a couple like pieces have gone up to the surface, but nothing else. Um, you know, people died, family members died. They've even said because it's at the Titanic wreck, they said the Titanic has now lost another amount, like X amount of lives. Like the Titanic's taken more people. Um, but the thing that shocked me the most is how fast people were joking about it. Um, because of how fast the news happens. So that even once people they had found out that everyone had died they were still joking about it and then they just kept getting bigger the jokes continued and they got more grandiose and this was in the span of a day and a half and then it was old news the next day because something else had happened so when you have stuff like that and the rapid spread of news and if you follow it it can be quite engaging You're like oh it's happening right now oh, what's happened? Or you go and have a shower and you come back and 50 more things have happened. Uh, it can be very engaging. Uh, you know, like imagine if you started watching a TV show uh, and then the, the second you finish the first episode, episode two is out. And then that kept happening. By the time you finish an episode, there's a new episode out. If you were really, really engaged with something, it's like, you know, pulling, pulling on a rope. 
And if someone had like a rope of um, chocolate, <laughs> uh, you're just eating it. And it's so easy to get wrapped up in that stuff. So uh, bringing it back to our main conversation, when you have certain figures in the media or political parties or anyone that we've already mentioned, when you have someone like that and a story comes out about them or there is anything, any social media presence about them, or they say something on social media, that one thing turns into that kind of grabbing effect is what I'm now calling it, where it grabs your attention. And then because of how fast everything is and because it's global. So even if you go to sleep, there's people on the other side of the world still talking about it. So it's endless. And it is endless because even when you're finished, by the time you're finished, more, there's more stuff out. There's more people that are posted about that issue. Or now that someone's talked about that issue, there is now another issue that's come up. Um, so I feel it is quite fascinating to watch all of that play out. And I feel that the as we were going back to our pillars we were discussing before when we have pornography and then pornography and violence and then the people that talk about it and who influence that you then have number three which is the spread of the ideas the rapid fire spread of ideas um so when you have all of those in combination you have a very big threat because if it wasn't spreading so fast it you know, maybe a few people would be interested uh maybe one or two people might become very extreme with it but because it's spreading so fast and so rapidly you have one person invested, then they send something to their friend, even if it's a joke. Like, Andrew Tate has spread really fast, both to people who are big supporters of Andrew Tate, but especially to people who aren't, because I find Andrew Tate very funny. Um, he says some things that are hilarious and very outrageous, and some people take that seriously um, and take it way too far. Um, but it's still that rapid fire spread. So if someone comes up to me and says, oh, do you know about this person? And it's some person that's been talked about on social media. Most people will know about it. Some might not, but they might've heard of someone else that has done something similar. Um, so I feel related to everything we were discussing. I feel that that is probably the biggest problem. It's not the individual watching porn and then going, oh, I'm going to try this next time I have sex. It's not just the influences by themselves. It's the combination of all three, where it's the person being influenced by someone repeatedly throughout multiple hours, multiple days of getting exposed to these ideas, talking about it with multiple people. And then instead of having one person, um, you know, doing violence against it's another person you have a large group of people doing it um and then say you're a young woman and you haven't had sex with anyone you've maybe met a partner whether they have had sex or not but maybe they've still been influenced by these ideas and they go oh no it's okay because my friend has done it and his friend has done it it's okay even if like, even if they don't know, it's not okay. And then you then put that on the impressionable young woman who's having her first time. 
and maybe you feel she feels uncomfortable but then she goes oh well it's okay because i heard that my best friend uh this had happened to her um and that all the guys do it now well no, i'm not saying all the guys do it but i'm saying in this scenario it's like oh yeah i know of people who have done it so it's okay and then that starts to normalize a behavior of violence and then that's also teaching both young men and young women that yeah violence is okay you know i i know i i choke her during sex or i hit her very hard anything like that and then you know if you're doing violence against someone sexually that doesn't i mean it can but it doesn't always stop when it's sex that's how you get husbands and wives years into a relationship and just a straight up abuse just happening um because it's years of build-up of going, no, this is okay. Even if you're saying, no, it's not okay. If that build-up is happening over mul multiple years, subconsciously it's saying something that it's okay for me to do this. And then the other person saying, I've been receiving this for X amount of years. This is okay. Even though I don't like it because it's, I want to do it for him or anything like that. Um, so I feel all of that has such a very big short and long-term impact um, on people thinking that way wow um it's it's um so you studying philosophy jack is um probably yes yes i do for you uh <laughs> because um you have a great insight into how life and thank you um, and how it all works, you know. And I listen to this as a 61-year-old woman and I just think, oh, wow, it's, just, it's it's like a disease. You know, we see, you know, I see, you know, people of my age and they're like, people are always in their phones. And I don't mean just your age, but people in general. Mm -hmm. A lot of young people don't make eye contact anymore because they're just hooked on their device anyway. because they're being, they're being raised by social media, they're being raised wow. by the phones. And so when AI, you know, which is um, has fabulous uses, starts to take over, I wonder, um, and this is a really out there kind of question, yeah. whoever's programming AI, which is supposedly being programmed by us as individuals, I wonder yeah. how powerful and how much that really is going to take over how we're thinking. It wouldn't have been great if AI was actually powered by love and kindness and, and generosity and great role models. So the switch could actually be um, flicked to a different generation because listening to what you're saying to me, it's like society is just going down. You know, it's not really, um, it doesn't seem to be coming better. It's not being elevated. It's not being raised anywhere near as much as it should. And I know that, you know, we're giving examples of um, negativity. Mm. Uh, but from what you're saying and also from what I experienced myself, there is so much negativity. I, I've had friends, like just with the COVID thing, go down the rabbit yeah. hole of being addicted to social media and the negativity that... Yeah. Yes. And it's very, very easy to do that. It's designed yeah. to do that. It's addictive. It's it is. It's all very psychologically designed um, for people mm. to be addicted to it. So you know, social media is our next next addiction. I know parents, you know, of younger people who have you know threatened them. They're not threatened with being smacked anymore. They're threatened with having their phones taken off them. And mm. the 
Oh they, yeah, it's no smacks. It's always phones taken off. Take the phones off them, and and they like they feel like they're completely disconnected from the entire world. <laughs> you know, yeah. When I was like young, when I was a child, going out in the world, riding my dragster bike around the neighbourhood was the best thing ever. And talking to mm. people who didn't know what was going on in the world, um, and yeah, because it wasn't so. It was it wasn't part of growing up. You know, and the world was yeah. a more naive place then. And people re- really relied on who they were as individuals rather than who they were educated to be by whatever was happening in the social yeah. uh, construct of the society that they lived in. It's a fascinating conversation, Jack. Um, oh, thank you. But I know we could, uh, this is why I wanted to talk to you because I knew you'd have really interesting input uh, and you've yeah. joined together really beautifully. And I hope everybody out there who's been listening to this, um, this has really been food for thought. Um, what I want to bring here to empowered expressions is um, when people express themselves, they empower us to think, they uh, empower um, us to feel, and I think this is a conversation that we really need to have. So if you um, have the ability to play this podcast uh, to your young people at home so that you can let them hear Jack, who's 21, talk to them about what's happening in the world and give them a really good indication or an understanding of something that they're just doing by rote and by habit so that they understand um, how intrinsically it's actually affecting their inner psyche. Um, maybe that's where the education needs to come from. Maybe we just need more people like you, Jack. Uh, or well, have- I do what I can. I, I'm not perfect, but I try. Um, but the, the thing is, like, with a lot of stuff nowadays, there is – like you were saying that you feel that society is going down. And I feel in some areas it is, but in a lot of areas it's like really it's coming up. It's like um, whatever, whatever pedestal or I don't know, like scales. That's what I'm trying to say, scales. The scales sometimes in the past, maybe it was level, maybe it was something that was a bit higher or lower. Now we get things that are insanely good and incredibly bad. We have this very big gap. Um, you mentioned AI. A lot of the AI tools that are being built today, if you look only positively, can have such a major impact on humanity and can make lives easier, better. We could be much healthier, happier individuals. However, you can also use a lot of these technologies for large-scale disinformation, lying, um, and just completely forcing a whole agenda on a mass group of people, um, especially when it related to social media. I know something that, because uh, with Elon Musk, who recently, I think last year, purchased Twitter, um, started to have people only pay for it. So they got less ads and they could verify the individual as a human being and not a bot, not a AI. Because say you have a very what's the word for it i don't know the right word for it but say you have uh someone in some country a political leader who maybe has very extreme views or maybe wants to completely change the entire country and mold it in their image make it a real dictatorship or some new version of that you can when they have their election their democratic election if it's still in a democratic country can flood social media with bots 
and have each bot find an individual and tailor all of their responses to that individual and we'll have multiple bots do this so if you have an actual human being you might have 30 or 40 or 500 people that you think are actually people but are actually bots all designed to manipulate you and change your mind and go yeah i'm gonna vote for this person because if we go into social media and we talk about things without those bots maybe you get a better informed opinion to go oh maybe this guy but he has a couple of things wrong with him but if you have social media being invaded with ai that you don't know is ai um you would be led to believe you're talking to all these people when you're just talking to an AI that's just designed to make you vote for this one person, that then changes society completely. Um, so that's a positive thing. Sorry, that's a negative thing. But you can also have AI be a personal like therapist for you. You can have it understand your thoughts and feelings and help you. You can also get it to, um, what is that? I saw this case where um, this man uh, was unsure if his dog was well or not. He'd taken his dog to the vet, checked the dog, everything was fine, but his dog just kept like vomiting, it kept doing things. So he wrote down all of the symptoms, wrote down the breed, wrote down as much information as possible, put it into um, chat GPT, the AI, um, large language model, uh, put it into ChatGPT version 4 and said, hey, my dog's been doing a lot of this weird stuff recently. Here's all the symptoms. Here's all this. I've gone and checked it out with my vet. They say that nothing's wrong, but my dog still keeps doing all this stuff. Do you have an idea of what the problem might be? And the AI took its time and then went, we think it's this, 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 or this. The, um, the owner of the dog was very convinced it was one of those answers, went back to the dog, uh, to the vet, took the dog to the vet, and they performed a much more thorough analysis and looked specifically for what the AI recommended, found a tumor in the dog, got it removed, saved the dog's life. Um, so you've got, and, that, and that, the AI is not even trained on medical information. It's not even trained to do that. And yet it did that and it saved the life. Um, and I feel that is an incredibly positive use of the technology. But then on the other side, you've got much more dangerous uses. And so that's how related to what we were talking about before with these toxic masculinity like influences, you could just mass manipulate the public into believing your own personal views. And even just at an individual level, you can target one person and do it one at a time. Um, there's a lot of things that it can do. Um, and related to what you were saying about the the punishment for young people nowadays is um, have your phone taken off you. Um, and the feeling of being disconnected from the world. I have, um, I have two things I want to say about this. Um, I can't remember the name of the study, but there is a scientific study that they, I believe it was, a Har I think it was Harvard University. I can't remember specifically. But I believe it was a Harvard University study where they studied people and their like their connection to their phones on a physical, emotional, psychological level. 
um, they got people to some people to um, take tests in a room, fifty percent with their phone on them, but they don't. They, it's on silent and everything, but it's just in their pocket, and fifty percent without it for multiple hours. And the people with the phone on them were very, very conscious that the phone was there. Even if they were like, if they wrote a mathematics answer, they noticed because they had like, you know, every finger was connected up to a, a thing and their brain was, they had a, a brain scanner. They noticed that whenever there was certain questions that you would normally Google or search up for, there was a response in whichever head was closest to the leg that had the phone in it. And with the people who didn't have their phones on them, uh, they realized, they compared the data that they got from that with the people who didn't have their phone on them, and they compared it to people who have lost a limb and have experienced the phantom limb syndrome, where, say, you lose an arm and it's not there, but for whatever reason, you still feel it, you can still move your fingers. Um, people who didn't have their phone on them it had the exact same, or at least very similar brainwaves to people with phantom limb syndrome, um, which is kind of suggesting that our phones have become such a companion, such a useful tool. It's replaced so many things and is very, very essential to modern society nowadays for a lot of people as a tool of communication. It's become so essential that when people are severed from that, they like physically, psychologically, whether they know it or not, are undergoing the same process as if they lost a limb. Um, a lot of people today have even said that, you know, when are we going to become cyborgs? We already have. We've already started that uh, because we've already started changing our psychology and our physical response. Um, because of the we have the object there, especially young people growing up with it, um, it being so essential, and they lose it. It's like I've lost my arm now; I can't hunt anymore. It goes back to that hunter gatherer stage where we were hunting, and if you lost something, it would be very important, um, life or death. Because oh, now I I'm going to let the tribe down, and it's you're still getting that same response but from a smartphone so no wonder you have young people and then their parents take their smartphone off them that they feel you know disconnected from their tribe so to speak you may might seem like oh you just can't text your friends for the night but psychologically and physically that is what it's doing uh for people who have grown up with a smartphone um and when you have something that is psychologically that important as important as maintaining a good friendship with someone that is where you get to that's where there could be quite a lot of dangers um in the modern world and so that's mainly what i wanted to say in terms of young people with smartphone usage uh, the other thing i was going to say was i don't think the solution is to take phones off here I, you may remember a few years ago where I did not have a smartphone and I either had a, um, what I'd call a minimalist phone, which is a phone that just phone calls and text messages, or I had an old Nokia flip phone I was using because I myself as a young person also felt very 
drawn in by the, these devices and very, very taken by them, basically. Um, but I also noticed, because I, I like to be very creative, I like to do a lot of writing, uh, especially with my university studies. Um, I realized I was getting very distracted a lot of the time and it wasn't beneficial. There are some distraction I feel is beneficial, you know, sitting down, watching a TV show and just being fully immersed in it is definitely distracting, but it can have a lot of benefits. But if all you're doing every single day, is just doing the infinite scroll. There's a term called doom scrolling now, um, which is where you're not even on a social media or you're on YouTube or anything for a purpose. You're just there to scroll. You scroll through little videos, you scroll through TikTok or Instagram or anything because it doesn't end. It's an infinite loop. It will The, the app is always going to find something to show you because um, it keeps you more engaged. But that's where, when you mentioned young people not having eye contact or having issues with public speaking, that's where those issues become more prevalent because you've got a device that is essential, but that is also des designed to steal your attention. Then you get a lot of people who are being as creative, who aren't you know, doing as much because of that. Um, and the point I was trying to make with that is that we shouldn't take phones away from people because they are an essential tool and they're very important. But I think we should teach proper usage and have the knowledge of how to use it correctly. Because that's through my two or three year journey of still having a mobile phone, but not having a smartphone just as a little test. I got to realize that actually having a smartphone is very important. The problem is the usage. The problem is how we use it, how often we use it, and what we are there for. Um, and luckily, there are lots of companies, um, including Apple and Google, and even more independent companies working towards features inside phones that can empower you to reduce distractions and use it as a tool instead of it using you as a tool. Um, I remember so I feel, with your yeah. phone that you um, weren't connected to social media. You had very little. <laughs> yeah. Um, because you were doing it as an experiment to see. And you weren't like really tightly connected to social media either. But as you mentioned, you no. felt the pull, you felt the draw, you felt distracting from your writing and the things that you wanted to do. Um, but it also completely, um, you you would say to your friends at the time, because I remember you were quite young at the time, if you want to speak to me, call me on the phone. Yeah. Text me on an app because I'm not on Instagram and I'm not on Facebook. Mm. If you wish to communicate with me, do it by voice. Mm. And you force people. It's like, well, if you either want to talk to me, or don't. Talk to me. <laughs> and, and you found back then that many of um, the young people in your life at the time, because we're talking about when you were in your teenage years, had yeah. trouble actually doing that, connecting they with did, you yes. via voice. So they chose to um, not communicate with you at all, didn't they? Yes. So the impact from a, some, from a some people. purely a social experiment that you were doing uh, you found that you became disconnected with a certain uh, type of person or a person who was maybe more into their mm. phone, into socials and 
uh, and they were doing it and probably were given the things at an age that was too young, but now the age has just gone even further. It's even younger. Oh, there's one thing actually, just to share this, I've seen it a few times and I actually think it's quite depressing is that I have seen young children, maybe three or four years old who have an iPad and they're watching a video of a child playing with a toy. Um, and I've seen that, I think at least two or three times now, maybe more than that. And that's one thing I find very depressing. It's like, you've got a very young child. They're not watching a TV show. They're not watching anything. They're watching another child play with a toy. Like we should still, we should still give our children toys that aren't iPads. We should, this should still be a physical object that you can play with. You know, they're, they're, they're still around, of course. But the fact that I haven't just seen that once, and I've seen it a couple times, uh, just saddens me very much. Because, you know, I have an iPad it's right next to me. I love it. I think it's great. I could use that to learn any language in the world. I can use it to learn all of mathematics. I can use it to understand history. I could use it to connect with people. I could use it to, you know, I'm using my laptop now to do this Zoom call. These te technologies, they're not a negative thing. They're a very big positive. They've empowered us to do a lot of things. Um, you know, 20 years ago, how would this call have happened? Um, you know, it would have happened over the phone. It would have cost a lot of money. Uh, and we would have been able to release the podcast online. So, you know, it has a lot of benefits. But... With all of those benefits, you've got negatives that come up with every new set of technology. And that's what we're seeing with AI as well. And with just the next generation of the internet, we're seeing so like tons of benefits. But the bigger the benefits are, the stronger there seems to be for uh, a lot of drawbacks as well. Well, oh, thank you. Um, that's that's yeah. a really good information, really good message. So to... Yeah. To finish up our very interesting uh, conversation, yeah. uh, do you have anything that you would like to share as a, a, a closing kind of statement yeah. to that's watching and listening to us today? As the, far as a... Um... The, the, so many things that I, that I know <laughs> the interest of many, many people. Mm. Well, let's see. I feel something that's very important, more important, I feel, than anything we've talked about today that I, I think I briefly mentioned before is you as an individual, your personal gathering of ideas, because ideas have power within, within us. Um, because we are every day have such a large access to information and that information keeps increasing. I feel that clarity, knowing what ideas to look for, but also what ideas to go, maybe not necessarily reject, but go, that's not for me. Or I'm going to look like I'm going to look inside of this idea and take something good out of it. Because there are a lot of, I don't think anyone's a bad person. I feel there are just people who make decisions that harm others and decisions that are negative 
there are also people who don't do that. But I feel at the core, you have to see the humanity. You can't just, if you have an opinion on something, since someone has a negative opinion, you can't look at the other person and go, you're a monster, I hate you. Because then the other person is going to turn around and go, you're a monster, I hate you. If we keep looking at each other as monsters and not human beings who grew up in a family who has a mother or father, whether they're alive or dead or together or not or anything, if you realize that the person is an individual um, and that they're not some evil monster, I feel we can have a lot more, a lot more positivity in the world and a lot more of a collective working together to build a better world because that's what I'm, that's what I feel my goal is is that I want to be able to work together with people to build a better world. Um, because otherwise, what are we doing here? Um, there are problems that need fixing. Let's fix them. Clarity. That's, that's the key. Exactly. I love Clarity. Clarity in communication, whether it's communication one-on-one, communication with what you're seeing and to draw the clarity out of it. I love that you said exactly. the, the inside bits, the clarity, the things that are positive to yeah. you. Um, that, that's awesome. Thank you, Jack. Mm. That's great. No worries. One message. That, with one last so, one last thing to say with that, um, just off of clarity, is with information. Um, same thing with communication, but is information. It's very easy online and in person to go, oh, I heard this thing about this thing and this thing, and then you say it. Maybe some of it's true, maybe it's not, but I feel everyone, because we all have access to these devices, um, we have the power to research something, even if it's for five minutes. If there is an, some belief you have, or if there is some uh, key information that is controversial, you should always, even if it's a quick five-minute Google search, should always look into it. Because I feel if you basically read around a subject, you can find out a lot more information about it and realize that maybe things are black and white, that things are a lot more well-rounded than we might perceive. And I feel using clarity, having clear ideas and clearly communicating those ideas to people. And when someone says, oh, uh, you said this about this thing, where did that come from? You go, I read this article about it and or I read this book and this is where I got the idea. Um, I feel having all of that, combining that together, can create the clarity of thought, the clarity of ideas um, that we can all have um, in the world oh, with ourselves and with that. people. <laughs> that is amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, really thank you for having me. Thank you. Really appreciate your time um, and your knowledge and your insight uh, that you've shared with us today. It's been It's been fascinating listening to you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for having me, Susie. It's been a pleasure to be here. <laughs> You're most welcome. Thanks, everybody, for joining us, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.